we found a Weatherspoons right next to my house, like about 10 minutes walk, which is also happens to be within 30 seconds of the new Dark Sphere. So like less than three pounds a pint. I forget how geography works because when you said, yeah, it's right near my house, I was like, what? It's just always been there right near your front door and you've never seen it because in the Netherlands. You can get from one end of the country to the other in two hours. So. Yeah. This is right near my house. It's one tube stop or less than 15 minutes. So I was with you, Bambi. It was like, I was like, we just discovered this right next to my house. And I'm like, what? Did you just walk out one day and look a different direction? Other spoons next door without, oh, we've never looked that way before. <laughs> you go forwards to the tube station and you go left to Tesco. So there's no need to go right ever. His name is Craven. He likes white ravens. And he will always use them to reduce your gold. His name is Dave. He cancels saves. He likes to make the opposition have bad days. His name is Tom. He plays for fun. And if you beat him, then he'll punch you in the face. It's the UK's fantastic podcast. This episode's the worst, so it's probably the last. With unopposed to claim banter. Now, if there's a fire alarm, it's because it smells like someone's about to burn something downstairs. But there are people in the kitchen, so we should be okay. But it smells like it's, you know, it's like, ooh, that's definitely on the cusp of done. I love the fact we're, we've got, we have to have a health and safety announcement. Because <laughs> we all assemble in the car park, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right, we'll all assemble at that pub. Turn right. It's better behind the throne. Hello and welcome back to Banter Behind the Throne. This is episode 95 and I'm your host Dave Bamford and I'm joined today by Mr. Tony Makos. Say hello, Tony. It's the most wonderful... T- no, that was last week, right? That week was, before. Right. We've been to Salak. Yeah, shit. Okay. Hello. <laughs> sake. And I'm also joined by Bambi. Say hello, Bambi. Hello, everybody. Wonderful. Sadly, Peel can't join us tonight. He hasn't texted in any of the three active group chats today. Shocker. Uh, so, working, dead, who knows? The last time I was on, which was ages ago, right? I think we thought he was dead. And uh, it turned out he wasn't, because he was on the last cast. So, um, I, you know, fingers crossed. Hmm. Oh, he has seen a text again. Hmm. So again, he just couldn't be bothered to answer. Yes. No, we've had like conversations in multiple things. Someone asked him what he was doing for New Year's, and he hasn't replied yet. He's elusive. Yeah. Anyway, how are you doing, guys? How was Starlek? Starlek was uh, wonderful. Seemed, I don't know. There were some big names missing, present company accepted, but it didn't. So it didn't seem maybe quite as mental this year. When and when I say mental, I mean drunken. Although my Saturday night was pretty drunken, um, it was it, it was good. Yeah, I, I I mean you can't not enjoy yourself at Starlight, right? And I kind of did okay, I guess, and got home alive with a moderate amount of brain cells. Although I lost a shitload of power tokens and a load of gold over in over in Germany, but but that's another story. Um, but yeah, I had a great time, Bambi. Uh, well, I'll preface this by saying that whilst tony says he was uh, drunk on one night i can attest to the fact that on sunday i genuinely thought he was gonna die so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is uh yeah you did look over at one point when you guys were playing a great words than drill and kind of go i've never seen you look so bad and uh and i kind of I, you know i couldn't even take it as an i couldn't take it anyway it was just kind of 
Yeah, you're right. I didn't have much sleep on Saturday night, and the older I get as a man, the less I can deal with having an hour and a half sleep on a Saturday night before fucking climbing however many stories it is to get to a castle on Sunday morning to play first edition. Uh, it seemed to get progressively worse throughout the day, though. It was like your face was a piece of leather left in the sun and ugh. the wrinkles and furrows were just increasing throughout the day. See, 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 the more you travel down this path, the more I might start to get um, insulted. But, <laughs> but you know what? But you know what? You're absolutely right. I, I, I was just... I was the walking dead on, on, on the Sunday and I hadn't eaten and I was sitting watching you guys playing Great, Great Western Trail going, uh, nah, I'm not going to, what am I going to do? Sit here and watch you come play a board game for fucking three hours? No, I'm going to go to bed. That's what I'm going to do. And yeah, I was, I was suffering like, like hell, but that seems to be, that's a sign of a good weekend. Indeed. Uh, yeah, I yeah. guess I'll comment on the same things that Tony was saying. Like there were a lot of people missing at this Starlick, and I think since the first time I went, I think this is my fifth Starlick, there was the least amount of people I was acquainted with, shall we say. Mm. Okay. Um but yeah, part of that led to meeting a lot of new people, but also some tamer evenings, shall we say, other than a few uh, kind of raucous uh, occasions with board games and stuff which uh I guess the same as Tony, the older I get, the less I appreciate. I just want a cup of tea, a pair of slippers, and a nice sociable <laughs> board game. <so>. Absolutely. <laughs> it just sounds awful without the Brickstop boys, then. <laughs> it was great. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, it's my, what was my, it was my fourth. And uh, it's definitely kind of got, yeah, I guess, I, I guess I probably, I get a bit less rowdy every, every year I, I go. And this year, this year more so, because uh, the wife wasn't there as well. And I definitely missed Helen uh, this year. And as I was told in no uncertain terms every five minutes that everyone I met missed Helen, which was, you know, lovely. Wedge walked around wearing a badge featuring my wife on it all day, fucking Friday. And I didn't notice till one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> which he, uh, he gave me a certain amount of shit for. Um, so I missed having her there. And yeah, so, so you know, lots of fun with ha- was had. But, you know, it was I think it was a slightly, you know, it was slightly different. And it'll be different next year. So, you know. We're all kind of maturing, right, getting to the point where we're a bit older, so it did feel at times that we were kind of there, maybe representing our kids, or it was some, like, father's getaway from the yeah. chaos of home or something. So. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. God. Yeah. I'm not quite as old as you two, so... Uh... <laughs> oh, you weren't Mr. Taldy. Yeah. <laughs> That's good to know. Just to hammer that point home. <laughs> no, that's that's important. You know, people should be able to enjoy themselves without me. Yeah, people oh, always did. say, you know, you you might have an alcohol problem if you can't enjoy yourself without booze, but if you can't enjoy yourself without me, you you really have a problem. If you've got a Dave problem, so, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it is true though. Like what I will say is that Starlick for the last five years has been that one occasion on which you know the guys that we've come to know really well through this community for the last. Yeah, four or five years are always there and it really kind of left a bit of a gap this year that a lot of the people that we've become accustomed to having around at those times weren't there. So hopefully yeah. next year, those that weren't there can make sure they're there again. Yeah, I've certainly I've got confirmation off the missus that she's definitely coming back next year, because while she was uh, while she had perfectly good reasons not to go this year, she definitely 100 percent kind of missed it. And so. Uh, so, yeah. 
um, it, yeah, as I said, it'll, it'll, it'll change from year to year, year. You know, new people, and it's good that new people come in as well. But as you say, there's that kind of holiday camp vibe that we have of kind of wanting to go away and meet up with all our mates again. And uh, and 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 so if any of them aren't there, we're kind of like, well, what the fuck? You know, didn't they get, didn't they get the message? For God's sake, this is why we come. Like, <laughs> cards is one thing, but you know, it's not the be all and end all. But aside from that, it was great. Good. I'm glad. So, I guess we start at the beginning. Mm. Tony, how was your Thursday? Thursday was it was funny because, um, as I said, this is my this is my fourth year of coming, and we go we get to Stalag in exactly the same way every year with exactly the same flight and exactly the same train, usually with the majority of exactly the same people, and um, it's starting to feel very kind of. Well, certainly the third day was starting to feel very kind of slick and kind of, all right, so we've got to be at the airport for here. We get, we get that plane. That plane will get there on time because it's German and they usually do. Um, we'll pick up that train at four o'clock. We'll meet all the Bulgarians on the train again. And we still don't know all their names after four years, but we see the same people <laughs> every single time we get on the same train. We usually bunch in, bump into uh, people like Mitch and Sam coming in from Manchester this year. Uh, but once again, got on the train, saw all the same faces, headed for Bacharach, got in when it's pitch black, and uh, yeah, this year was this year I was staying at the little kind of apartment complex that seems to sleep about 320 people, um, uh, and so kind of me and myself and Liam and Tav kind of got to got there about half past five on a Thursday later than anyone else so all the good beds had gone basically so we had to just find somewhere to kind of chuck our stuff and yeah just kind of headed up the castle to kind of just say hello everyone Thursday tends to be the kind of uh tends to be a little bit drunken but it tends to be you know formalities and uh and informalities i guess catching up with everyone before uh everyone kind of kind of pretends to play melee the next day um but yeah it was pretty um pretty standard it was reasonably reasonably drunken it's good to buy cheap beer at the castle again um oh i tell you what we did discover though you might have heard about this by now dave which is that the town of bacharach finally after about say five six years <laughs> has finally cottoned on to the fact that 300 tourists pop up uh on the third weekend of november every year <laughs> i have heard yeah to an extent yeah well yeah to as much as they can right because uh, for those who don't know, Bacharach is a tiny little hamlet on the banks of the Rhine, which when we go and that weekend is completely out of season. Pretty much everything's shut. There's a kebab shop that's open. There's uh, a bakery that's open for a couple of hours a day. There's like a cafe that's open. And that's pretty much it. This year, there was a, the little supermarket, which was actually open from like eight in the morning till seven at night in the town. And Kevin Wama went in to find out well, they, they they were kind of shocked to find the place open, and went in and kind of said, "Oh, we're, you know, we're very surprised you're open. We come here every year, and you're not here." And apparently, the woman behind the counter said, "Yes, we are open from eight in the morning till seven at night because of, and then used air quotes, Game of Thrones." Hey. <laughs> so someone, you know, someone in the local kind of council has said, right. We need to exploit this, right? You might want to open some shops. There was a cafe across the road from the cafe that the apartment complex is above that I thought was brand new. It's been actually it must have been there for years, but it's just never open at that time of year at all. So there was at least like 
two or three places to actually sit and have some food as opposed to queuing up outside the kebab shop. Kebab shop, of course, was still open and the guy seemed a little bit chirpier this year. Because this, he probably knew it was coming for once. He goes, yeah. oh shit, it's that weekend again. And he does that every year until <laughs> yeah. this year. Got an extra kebab meat this year. Um, so, so yeah, it was quite nice nice to see. Um, as far as the castle's concerned, it felt to me like they'd put the beer prices up maybe by 50 cents as well. Um, Ooh, how much was a beer? The beer was like 350. I It might have been 350 yeah. last year because I can't remember, but it just felt that little bit... Yeah. Was it... That seems more than I remember, especially when you can get one for two euros in the fucking kebab shop. It definitely and used. It was two the first year I went. Jesus. So it's definitely gone up over time. I think it was maybe three last year. Yeah. So well, I, think, I mean, I think it was a big jump last year and then a little jump this year. Yeah, and you can because now you could go to the supermarket and buy a crate. You could properly. The, the Glasgow boys were carrying crates of uh, Bitburger up the hill. Oh Too god, crazy. we tried that the first year with Craven. Craven wanted to be muscle mad. He's like, "Yeah, I'll carry that crate of beer up there if you give me a beer." He said it was the worst decision of his life. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've definitely done that a, a few. Well, I've not taken them up the hill before because Craven was there, but uh, <laughs> I, I have bought beer from there before because you just got to go before about one p.m. and you're okay. Well, now you can go before 7 p.m. and it's absolutely fine. And you Amazing. cannot, if the Glasgow boys want to carry a crate of beer up the up the stairs, nothing will stop them. Mm. So not only did they carry the crate of beer up to the castle, they then carried the empties all the way down. Wow, that's nice. Because they are conscientious recycling Glaswegians. <laughs> you get a, a deposit back, don't you? You do. Yeah, that's the German way. Yeah, so that's good. You get Dutch way as well. Yeah, that's yeah, basically that's the European way of getting a discount off your next crate of beer. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, it felt a little bit like they were like the town was kind of um, adapting a little bit yeah. to the fact that, uh, that that we're getting, which is which is good from their point of view. Uh, it puts us a tiny little bit out of pocket, but you know, it feels like you're feels like you're doing your bit, and feels like they're kind of you know getting something for it. So good on them. I don't know whether it was last year or the year before, but the lady who runs the cafe underneath the apartments that we always used to go to, she yeah. said she had brought up the whole thing. Because obviously we book we book stuff so far in advance, and then it's like it's off season. What's going on? And then when you go, I think it must have been last year she she said it because the year before we booked the same apartment, you know, on the Sunday night, and she was yeah, just sure. like, right, what's going on? So <clears> last year she knew something was going on. She was trying to get people involved, but no one seemed to believe her. And it's just like, how have you not noticed this in all the <laughs> other years? It just gets bigger and bigger every year. But yeah, yeah. so I've finally taken note. Especially when it's like you know 300 people, especially especially come the Saturday because the town hall, the when the town hall opens for joust at like you know 8:30 in the morning, between 8:30 in the morning and well this year like 10 o'clock at night, um, people are constantly kind of going back and forth from the town hall into town. Mm. It's you know it's really busy, um, and and yes, yeah, someone should you know, fucking notice, and finally they have. She put a little ice cream van outside. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, where we were talking to the women in the cafe. And we were trying to explain what it was we were doing and we're playing cards. And um, what she took from it was that we had all qualified for this like championship. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, meaning that everyone that was playing was shit hot at the game because we had all qualified to play in this kind of big top tier European championship thing. And she, so she was she was very kind of complimentary and go, oh, you were all so good at cards and you're really, really congratulations for getting this far. And we we're like, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah. I'll t- you know, I'll take a congratulations where I can get it, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Someone's got to do it. 
Exactly, yeah. Good on. So, yeah, Bacharach was a, a little bit more receptive this year, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. I certainly noticed that, I don't know if it's because all of the restaurants and cafes seated everyone near the windows, but every time I walked past somewhere, it seemed full with non-Game of Thrones players. So I don't know if they were adorning fans that had kind of stopped by <laughs> en route to something it else, happens. but everything seems so much busier. <laughs> yeah, it, it, there was also, and that probably can't be discounted, the fact the weather was so good this year. Yes, true. The weather seemed remarkably kind of I, I don't really i don't remember it raining very much i remember it, it's it cold because it's cold that time of year but it was beautiful on the friday yeah. it was you, you know you don't see much of the outside world on the saturday less on the friday as well but you tend to get out earlier but yeah the weather just seemed really good so there were there was maybe a little bit higher proportion of tourists kind of kicking about as well um so so yeah in general and it was it was uh yeah chock full of people okay great bambi anything special about your thursday How's your first day at Starlock? Um, yeah, mixed feelings, I guess. So uh, to get to Starlock, I drove from work, which was my last day at work because I quit my job. Um, <laughs> so that was an exciting opportunity. And then I guess the uh, the drive to Starlock is always beautiful. Aside from the fact that it was super misty and we couldn't see more than five, ten metres in front of the car. Other than when we got to the point that we were transcending the hill to come down towards the castle and the mist passed and there was the castle stood before us in glowing radiance. So, oh. It kind of felt like it was a, a dream come true. Oh, that's um, amazing. I had quit smoking for three months, uh, got to Starlick, smoked a cigarette, um, smoked for the rest of the weekend as well, bumming fags of people like a real loser. <laughs> <laughs> using my kind of recent unemployment as a in for me to get free cigarettes so uh yeah it was good thursday was a good opening to starlink aside from as we've mentioned already the fact that a lot of the familiar family faces weren't there so yeah. okay that's nice have you requit smoking uh i have aside from uh we have a weekly gaming on fridays which historically was always thrones during the day which i couldn't attend because i was working and then board games at our place in the evening um however as i'm now unemployed i can also play during the day mm. it's uh changed to keyforge right now which uh, i won't talk too much about even though it's a wonderful game um <laughs> but during those days tom beskers gives me free cigarettes uh, which i'm <laughs> trying not to do but last weekend friday i did smoke more cigarettes i've not smoked since so i'm trying to stop again well done Beskers, you bastard. I know. <laughs> he's a okay. feeder. He's a feeder lap man. He was feeding he me is. all day on the on the on the Friday and Saturday, but <laughs> kept, passing me, kept passing me hip flasks after games and kind of uh, to the point that one, at one point he passed me an empty hip flask and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, probably kind of, you know, it's like the first one's for free. <laughs> this one, you're gonna have to give me a little bit for that. Yeah, he's a bastard. God bless him. <laughs> okay then, tell me about the Friday, guys. How was melee? Yeah, let me. I'll, I'll skip through mine because mine's relatively kind of uh, uh, uneventful, and I have a feeling that Bambi's isn't. Friday, Friday melee at Stalic is always a giggle, and we had to persuade uh, Liam, who had um, a friend who came from Edinburgh for, to Stalic for the first time. We kind of persuaded him that actually he should definitely play melee on the on the Friday. He wasn't going to bother, um, but he threw together a kind of melee deck and uh, had an absolutely great time. Um, as everyone does, you know, for, it was the same with Tav last year. Tav had never played melee and wasn't sure what to expect, and then had a cracking time because you know, melee at Stalic is uh, 
It's thoroughly entertaining. My melee day was relatively uneventful, very similar to last year. I had four games. I took second place in every single game, which is exactly the same that happened the last year. The difference being my first game was a three-player game, which was very, very depressing. Three-player games of melee kind of remove you know, remove part of the uh, appeal of playing melee in the first place. You want to play with three other people, right? Not two other people. And when you... Uh, uh, well, you're supposed to have loads of options in melee, but when, you know, when 25% of the table isn't there, it removes your options and then removes a lot of your fun. So uh, um, my first game was a bit shit. I put together a start fealty deck uh, because the wife completely failed to uh, see through her commission to build me a melee deck for Starlight. She failed miserably, so I just threw a start field to take together and kind of went, this is the kind of thing she put together anyway. Um, <laughs> I, of course, in my first game, completely forgot that I was playing fealty, uh, forgot to trigger it twice, and made a deal with Liam that every time I forgot to trigger fealty, he had to have a kebab from the kebab shop, <laughs> which could potentially have been, you know, a lethal deal for him. Um, but... Uh, my first game, I forgot to trigger it twice, um, which put him on two kebabs for the day. Um, uh, he was kind of very wary after every single game when I came out. He was like, fealty? And I'm like, no, I remember it every time this day. He was like, okay, okay. He did have two kebabs by the end of the day, and I remembered all my fealties for the rest of my games. So, you know, he's still alive. He, his cholesterol is probably quite high, but, he's, you know, <laughs> he's still going. And I did a little bit better on my games as I went on. So, yeah, first game, three-player. Eh, second um, I, second game I played against a Donovan on my table um, who was playing the I think it was a Tyrell Dragon I think it was whatever it yeah. was yeah anyway he won uh, Joe Pearson was on that table as well I somehow came second I can't remember how um, uh, yeah these games are all kind of weirdly even though they you know they take an hour and a half they kind of they go by in a flash in my head you know it's because you only play like three rounds in a lot of them well, that's yeah, it's that's just, it. Bam. It's just so much uh, chat. Yeah, and you know they were fine games. That the, the second game was fun, even though we kind of knew by the end of turn one that Donovan was probably going to win it, and we couldn't probably couldn't stop him. Uh, the third game I had was probably the best game of melee I've ever played. Um, oh, not so much my own performance, Bold. just just it, yeah, it was just the most fun game of melee ever. The table was myself. Lowry, uh, who's a uh, Finnish guy whose surname I always forget, but I meet him at Stalic every year, and he's a, uh, he's a crack and laugh. And then two world champions at the table. Yeah. I had uh, Jakob Holtman and Leonard Paga at the table. They're joust champions. Exactly. But, you know, <laughs> Jakob's, pr- Jakob's all right at melee, right? He is a Stalic melee champion. He, yeah, he's all right. <laughs> exactly. Although although uh, the British player was, of course, cheated in the top 16. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Yeah, yeah. Stop me reminiscing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it was a fucking hilarious game of melee because uh, I it was the first time that my kind of deck brought out the things that I wanted it to kind of bring out. I set up a Bolton Flare turn one and everyone around the table for some reason just kind of shit themselves simultaneously. <laughs> just, you know, and especially Leonard, who... You know, Leonard was playing Martel Hod Starfall, um, so he was quite partial to his like two and three cost characters, which meant when I set up a Bolton Flare, not didn't bring out a shadow or anything, I just stuck it out there. Um, at the beginning, he was kind of like, okay, before he'd even marshaled cards, he was making deals of what 
I was not to do with that Bolton flair. <laughs> <laughs> Which was thoroughly entertaining to have the world champion kind of on the back foot, you know, though the recent Joust world champion giving it right. Um, so you're not going to trigger that against me, and here's why. I'm like, okay, yeah, bring it on, bring it on. And, and in between him and Jakob... Um, just worrying about what the fuck I was going to do with this Bolton Flair every round, which m- miraculously stayed alive, I think, for all three rounds that that game went on. Oh, uh, well. I know. It was, a, it, it, it was amazing. It didn't get burnt because uh, Jakob was playing Targ. Lowry was the one I kind of felt sorry for because he was playing Free Folk. And everyone, well, the three of us around the table kind of uh, went, hmm, Free Folk deck, right, let's not let that get out of hand. Let's let's sort that out. Right, he set up or he set up on his first marginal phase. He had the double duped uh, egret on the table, um, which we all thought was a thing. Well, potentially could have been a thing. Lowry came last with very little power by the end of the game. Not to kind of spoil the whole story, but uh, we kind of shat on him a little bit, especially when my card of the day um, came out, which was and stop me if you've heard this before, but you probably haven't. Uh, the Winterfell Archery Range. No. Yes. <laughs> Cheeky one copy in the deck. That hit the table at the beginning of round two. No, in fact, no, that was there from the that was there from the beginning of round one, I think. And everyone had to pick it up and read it, obviously. And uh, and it just kind of sat there. Obviously, people forget about it. So it comes to round two. Lowry Lowry was on his first copy of Retaliation, I think. I think he played two. You know, two claim, free folk, blah blah blah. Chats, deals, left, right, centre, um, you know, usual melee bullshit, but uh, um, not much power being gained because everyone was worried about being burnt, everyone was worried about getting icons taken away. Starfieldy was just doing Starfieldy things, I guess, but I did have a fat cat out, so people were worrying about my guys dying and me getting power. Lowry turns around to me and says, um, I'm going to have to do the military your way because he was supporting someone or whatever. So he gets um, he gets Egret, who's got stealth, wildlinked, blah, blah. And goes, okay. Um, I think he also had the the military title as well, which meant it was yes. Yeah, so it was going to be a three claim military against me. So he kind of goes, right, I'm going to do the military your way. And I kind of looks at him and said, yeah, you don't want to do that. Are you sure? And he goes, yeah, 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 military. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask you again. Are you sure? And he goes, yeah. Really inviting that bottom flyer. It wasn't the bottom flare, it was the one that fell archery range. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of went, pop, um, I'll remove her from the challenge. And he kind of looks over and goes, well, you did ask me twice. <laughs> yeah, I did. And uh, oh, it was just it was just great. And the other the other two at the table were just like, <sighs> you know, I think I, I'm not sure if they saw it coming or not, but uh, you know, it, was, oh, it was fucking great. Um, but yeah, it was just a, it was um, someone at the table. I think it might have been Jakob at some point. Just just kind of looked at, looked at everyone, kind of went, "This is a fucking good game of melee." And, <laughs> and, it, and it totally was. It was just D was left, right, and center. Good fun. Um, Jakob took it in the end, and I ended up with second place, which meant, as far as I was concerned, for the rest of the weekend, I'd just beaten the world champion at Thrones. So you know, you know, that's that's the way I'll, on paper. That's how it looks, and that's the way I'll take it. If I had beaten Jakob at that table as well, if I'd beaten that, if I had won that entire table, no one would ever hear the end of it. I, I would have probably got a T-shirt printed and everything, um, and I probably would have just left Starlight for the weekend, going, "Yep, done." You know. It can't get any better than this. It's not going to get any better than that. In fact, it's probably going to get much worse. Um, so that was great. Uh, that that was a, 
that was a thoroughly good game. Leonard, as he was kind of leaving the table, um, Jakob was asking him about uh, his his future champ card, which of course he was kind of tight lipped about. He was kind of like, you know, Danny's been in touch, but obviously, you know, NDAs and stuff. He says, but he kind of huddled around the table and kind of went, but I'll tell you guys, and you can't tell anyone else. He said, I've got an idea for my champ card. And what I want to do is I want to make a plot. And I want to make a plot that is, I want to make it balanced, reasonably balanced. It's the most important thing. I want to make sure it doesn't get restricted within like the first six months. What I'm thinking, and tell us tell us if you think this is good or not. What I'm thinking is a plot called Breaking Pies. Right? <laughs> I want to make a plot called Breaking Pies. And it says on it, action. Sacrifice a non-loyal character. To bounce a loyal character back to something. <laughs> what do you think about that? And we're like, sounds good. Sounds balanced. Good luck with it. And he was like, he kind of walked away and tapped his nose. He was like, you didn't hear it from me, right? Walked away. <laughs> <laughs> fucking lovely man. Absolutely lovely man. Had a fucking great game. Um, last game, the, the last game was the most fucking dramatic one because, but annoyed the shit out of me. I was on the table with Tom Beskers and Alex Ophiworth and I got to 14 power probably twice in that game, and the bastards wouldn't let me win. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the way I see it, right? <laughs> neither, neither of those guys won either. The Martel player on the table, whose name I've forgotten, he ended up winning the game. But I got I got to 14, just couldn't squeeze it to 15. Uh, they took a lot of power off me. Got to 14 again, couldn't quite squeeze to 15. And uh, yeah, I hated them all. I got really, I almost kind of, I, I was sulking a little bit at that table because I was just thinking... It was just you know, none of us are making the cut here. Can I just go away with a win? That would that would be lovely, guys. You guys are just, you know, give me a break, do me a solid. And of course, no one's going to fucking do not me a solid anyway. So I did. So I I think I came second on that table as well. Um, got me participation prize of the big bag of silver coins, which uh, uh, was lovely. The coins look really nice. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was me for the day. It was it was it was pleasant. It was kind of rubbish to begin with, and then it kind of got better, and then I nearly won at the end, and then didn't, and then uh, uh, went up the castle and played rental. Bambi, on the other hand, I think you might have uh, had a bit of a better day. I'm baffled at your recollection of games, Tony, and how you remember these things because I'm sat here thinking while you're talking. Yeah, I, I played some games. <laughs> I can't remember who was at the table, so I'm sat here racking my brain. Which thing happened when? I was like, I remember at two of my tables, George Ankers was there. Yeah, he was dressed as a crow. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that costume. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, whenever I go to Starlake every year, I always pay a lot more attention to melee just because I enjoy playing it significantly more, and I've never been a particularly fond advocate of Game of Thrones second edition joust, so I always put a lot more time and effort into crafting a good melee deck. And by good I don't necessarily mean it does anything fun or fancy, it just wins games. So yeah, I built a Tyrell dragon list that effectively just does all the good Tyrell and Dragon things with Queen's Guard and Renly and Stand, all of the stand from both Targaryen and Tyrell. Um, a few spicy plots to do different things. I think I opened with King in the North in four of my six games because you run three Renly, two Crown of Golden Roses, and three Hisdar, so you've got a lot of kings. That's pretty spicy. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of that. No matter how much I hate that plot. <laughs> that's that's still cool. 
so yeah, the deck was good. I spent a lot of time practicing, testing it to make sure it was good. Uh, game one, I can remember nothing aside from the fact that I played on a table with George Ankers and it was fun. Tony, I literally don't know how you remembered so much details from your games, but I guess I will remember some details that come to shortly. So yeah, game one, I won. That's all I can remember. And George was dressed as a crow. Um, That's all you need to remember. He promised to teach me Keyforge in the evening, so it was a fun melee table. Table two, I can not remember anybody who was on the table with me. Um, But I'm sure it was a very fun game. Uh, And after the second round, we had lunch, which I was disappointed to find out was not chilly. The food was interesting this year at Starlack. I'm not going to say it was bad. Uh, it was just a variance on what we've come to expect over the years. Hmm. Okay, what did they serve? Sausage. Well, yes, there was lots and lots and lots of sausage. Great. <laughs> when in Germany. Yeah. <laughs> However, and you know, for those who really want to listen, this is a spoiler alert for what's to come. So if you don't want to hear this, please cycle forward 30, 30 seconds or so. Okay, that's given enough time to skip. Yeah. On the Saturday, so for the joust, <laughs> they also did not serve the chili. Wow, that was a, that was a game changer. <laughs> that's it, Starlight. We're over. <laughs> it was it was honestly it blew my mind. I was like, "Where is my chili? I've had this for four years. This is what I come here for, and you've not given me my chili." Uh, anyway, okay, we'll continue. Game three. <laughs> now, here's one I actually remember stuff about. So, game three, I had a table once more with George Ankers. Um, he was also dressed with. He was still dressed as a crow. <laughs> also with James Wormsley, Whammer, mm-hmm. and a very delightful young lady whose name I cannot recall. Um, so, George was playing some. Martel stuff with guards that didn't kneel to defend and various other janky combos as we've come to expect. Mm-hmm. Whammer was playing Martel House with the Red Door Starfall, so there were yeah. a few of those decks around. Um, and the young lady I mentioned was playing like a classic Targ Burn deck, so it was a very interesting table with lots of controly effects and various other things. Uh, yeah, it was a really fun table. I uh, ended up winning when time had been called because I could play a Queen's Guard on Renly Baratheon and do three challenges, basically. Sweet. Um, there wasn't anything particularly spicy to it, but yeah, Renly, when I think I was, they made me go third, so George was last. Whammer was basically knelt out because he got to the point that he could get as many power as possible. Second player effectively did the same, so I just had free reign to get to 15 and it wasn't particularly difficult to, to not get there. I guess game four comes with a bit of a intro to something. So I don't know if any of you heard, but there was a lot of palaver around this uh, conglomerate, shall we say, of players that decided they wanted to play this pirate deck. I don't know the exact origins, but I've been led to believe this whole mutiny was instigated by none other than Joshua Chambers. Um, only in joust yes okay yeah i'm not sure he, he, he does uh, not advocate playing it in melee at all no he was I, very I, pleased 
don't think he's guilty of like instigating the the whole pirate based mutiny of everyone playing in melee. In fact, he was pretty he was pretty kind of angsty about the fact that everyone had kind of taken it and was basically using it for evil. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that so, brings it more in line with what I'd become to expect of Josh because I can't yeah. imagine Josh would be the kind of player that would do that in melee. Exactly. Exactly. No, it wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't playing the deck on the on uh, at all but everyone, lots of other people had taken it or using it for evil and he wasn't he wasn't advocating at all in fact he washed his hands of the whole situation so to give some context there was a deck that for all intents and purposes effectively the main part of it was that you play jojen reed and you can play three queen's guard on jojen and mill your opponents and before the melee started there was a judge announcement that if two players at the same table playing that deck in any way gave the other players some indication that they were colluding, then they would be disqualified. So, um, And there were some discussions on the Thursday nights between yeah, a lot of alcoholic beverages being consumed around anyone who would play that deck should be shamed, and therefore a lot of people changed their minds and didn't play it. Um, however, in the fourth round of Melee, I was at a table with Issyan, Simon, a... Uh, Polish player and someone else whose name escapes me. Oh, uh, a English guy whose name escapes me, but he was lovely. Um, anyway, <laughs> so Issyan was playing this pirate deck and uh, very early in the game, he got a Jojen onto the table and I think by turn two was able to have three Queen's Guards on Jojen. <laughs> and because I guess I was looking like the leader at the table, Issyan spent the entire game milling all of us, but also using dragon's tails and things on me to the point where in round three, uh, he could have milled me, but would also have simultaneously had to mill himself, I believe, because we had, <laughs> I think, exactly the same amount of cards left in deck. Um I think there was a way that he could have got around it where he milled me and had one card left in his deck himself. Um, however, he chose to be a good sport and to not mill me out because it would have left me with three wins from the first three rounds and then zero points in the last round. And there have been years at Starlick Melee where 45 points might not have made the cut. So yeah. uh, uh, he decided to be a good sport and not mill me, for which I was uh, ever so thankful. And I finished that game on 14 power. So, yeah, nice. I had... Three first places and a second on 14 power, so seven points, so he made it into the top 16. Yay. That's, I was going to say, that's very interesting because um, I was I was aware of the Jojen deck going into Starlack, mm. and I spoke to some people and said I don't really feel very comfortable with people playing that. If you had brought it to Blackwater, I would have just decugible straight up because I've seen, I saw a practice game where two of them had it, and I was like, even if you don't try, like the collusion is kind of implied almost because only one of one of you can get any points um it's kind of ridiculous uh so i tried to shame them as much as possible and i did contact uh kudslin about the deck mm. so that was me sorry for spoiling your fun if i did guys but you deserve it um but that's interesting because of course isian you know got the full wrath from me and uh, last year he actually missed the cut because someone was a dick to him at the table <laughs> uh, he had beaten someone uh, who will remain nameless and in an earlier game and because he had beaten him in the earlier game he just bullied Issyan at the last table 
So Issyan ended up on. I have a feeling Issyan ended up on 45 points and missed the cut. Or if not, it was very close. Damn, um, rough. Yeah, so I can imagine he he remembered last year and decided to uh, do the honourable thing and not just yeah. If if you went out on you know like and you kept your power when you were milled, it might be one thing. But the fact that the collusion was so if not obvious then easy to call there and and everybody end up on zero power it just seemed like an ass move to me so yeah it's a very interesting uh kind of rules clarification that if you are milled you are eliminated from the table who's yeah. that's not something i'd ever heard of in melee before so yeah it's definitely in the it's in the rules reference i think but obviously it just it never comes it never up. happens yeah nothing can mill that many people that quickly until you get one or more Jojen decks. So, yeah, that happened. Uh, then we had a top 16 table, which was me, Luis, a Finnish gentleman whose name escapes me, and a truly fantastic German guy. Not because, uh, spoiler alert, he uh, effectively gave me the win at the end of the game, which will come to how that happened in a second, but he was a yeah, lovely guy. I spoke to him a lot the weekend. So the game started, and... Luis had already been drinking quite a lot by this point, so he was a bit rowdy, shall we say. (laughs) Um, And the other two guys at the table were very, very reserved, didn't want to talk, just wanted to play their melee game, you know, with little to no interaction. Uh, Luis and myself, but Luis especially in this context, does not play melee like that. No. So within one minute, they were asking him to be quiet and calm down. And <laughs> can he not do that? Because they didn't want to do this and that. So he was making no friends and marshalling round one. Luis was last. And the last thing he put down on the board was a Varus. Yeah. <laughs> there was not much else on the table. So if Varus went off, I think everyone's board would have been wiped. So... Effectively, the challenges round one rotated around, do we deal with Varus and can we convince Luis not to trigger Varus? But however, so uh, yeah, the Finnish guy was first, the German guy was second, I was third, Luis was fourth. Um, They decided the best strategy for them at this point was to uh, go full out military claim on him to try and kill Varus because they were both playing quite rushy decks that couldn't afford to take a Varus hit. Both Luis and I argued heavily against this matter of fact, but that's what happened. <laughs> uh, and it got to me, and I could have done a military challenge on Luis, I believe, and killed his Varus. But at that point, we uh, came to a decision that if I didn't kill his Varus, he wouldn't trigger it this round, which was fine for me. So didn't kill his Varus, uh, went to the next round. And uh, yeah, then the game got interesting. Luis found a copy of The Wall. Uh, boards got bigger, there were a few dupes, etc, etc um, and everyone got quite high on power quite quickly then the Varus went off I believe, or a Valor happened, I can't remember exactly to the point where everyone's board was significantly reduced with the exception of Luis's because he could recover quickly with the wall so it got to a point where he was quite far out ahead and uh, the last turn of the game, I had, I think, like one card in hand, maybe, and my only out was to find a copy of Randall Tarly, because I had stand in hand, and a I played You Wanna You Die. 
to put Randall on the board and then try and table talk my way to victory. So I got to 14 power, but the last challenge could have been defended and I wouldn't have got my 15th power. Uh, however, if that happened, it would have passed to Luis and he could have done one unopposed challenge against me to win. So uh, the German guy decided after a very short deliberation that he was going to let my challenge go through unopposed because Luis had pissed him off too much during the game. <laughs> wow. Um, which Luis wasn't happy with because uh, he was arguing against it throughout the first kind of five minutes of the round saying that it was against the rules. Um <laughs> various other things and at the end of the game he stood up in anger at what happened and I genuinely thought for a moment he was going to hit me because he seemed for the first time I've ever seen him angry but within like <laughs> one second he reverted to normal Luis and was smiling and hugging everyone so so yeah won that one by the skin of my teeth <laughs> and then played the final table which was me James Wormsley again um, which was good that I saw Whammer's deck earlier in the day so I had some loose understanding of what it was doing Auntie a Finnish guy it seems there must always be a Finnish guy on the final table at Starlick yeah. uh, who was <laughs> playing a Tyrell uh, also, also a Tyrell Dragon deck and Don who was playing Tyrell Dragon the exact same list as me because uh, <laughs> I sent the list to some of the Dutch guys so uh, I knew what Don's deck was. Auntie's deck was quite different and had some a lot of stand with things like Seal of the Hand and various other things. And the game was super close. Round one, everyone spat stuff out on the board. Um, so everyone had really big tables, especially Don. I think Don had seven or eight characters with two or maybe even three copies of... God, what are those guys called? The neutral... Two cost, two strength, uh, might even be one strength, military power, that after you win a challenge, you can draw a card or get a power. The poor fellows. Poor fellows. Um, so yeah, Don got ahead pretty quickly. And uh, Auntie's board was big characters, but no way to really take Claimstoke. So uh, yeah, I guess I'll give some context to how I play melee at this point. I, <laughs> I will never lie in melee, ever. I will always advise what I think the best situation for the table is um, which led to me effectively doing no challenges because the only place I could win challenges was against Auntie mm. and he had very few cards in hand very little stuff on the board so in the interest of keeping the game fair and balanced and not just letting you know ruling someone out of it I did no challenges mm. which was yeah I guess the correct decision in hindsight which we'll come to in a second so round two, I believe there was some kind of reset played because a lot of Don's characters disappeared. <laughs> um, and Whammer had slowly been gaining power in the first challenges phase and the same happened in the second challenges phase. So he was getting a lot of power through things like Hellholt, uh, getting a lot of counters on the bone way, making deals for unopposed and rival stuff here and there. Yeah. To the point where at the end of round two, Whammer was on maybe 11 power, uh, quite far ahead of everybody else. Everyone else's boards had been reduced a lot. And uh, during that second round, Auntie had also got really high in power. Uh, he'd gone first in that turn, I believe, because he played you win or you die, because he had very few cards in hand. And he did a challenge, which if his restricted card was superior claim, which later found out his restricted card was superior claim, I believe. Mm -hmm. And he had that in hand. He could have sealed the game. 
and Whammer said that he was not going to defend the challenge. At which point I was kind of flabbergasted that he was going to effectively hand someone the game if he happened to have the card in hand. Um, so there was a lot of, I guess, uh, discussion because yeah, I obviously wasn't just going to let that happen. So I had to make a deal with Whammer that I would use my Plaza Applied discarding one of my expensive characters to stand his Doran Martell so that he could uh, win the challenge on power and then also be able to do challenges himself. So again, spent a lot of the second round effectively assisting other people and not doing much for myself, but gaining a little Had bit of done. power here and there. Yeah, mm. indeed. Um, then round three, uh, there was a, uh, a lot of talk because Auntie had... I think 13 power at that point and Wama had 12 or something. Yeah, maybe I remember it slightly wrong, but I think it was at this point that, ah, one thing I should mention in round two, uh, Wama flipped heads on spikes as his plot <laughs> and chose Don who had six cards in hand and unfortunately didn't hit on the heads on spikes, but it later transpired that at that point, Don had five characters in hand and one non-character <laughs> so yeah we come to round three um we yeah talked for a little while but it became very apparent that uh whammer had to play valor uh, i knew he was playing valor because we played in an earlier round and i had to bank on the fact that he was going to play it and i played king of the north uh, i had a dupon renly and for some reason or another at that point no one else had a king on the table Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, everyone else's boards were white, with the exception of me still having a Renly, and I think Whammer had a duped Dora Martel, so that was the only cards left on the table. Uh, Auntie went first, because I believe he played something, I can't remember, that gave him initiative. Uh, he couldn't get very high. Don, at this point, was effectively out of the game, because he had no cards in hand, and little to no board. He had, like, a Jewel or a Mormont and a Barristan Selmy that weren't really doing much for him, because he was only on four power, because everything was in Renown. And I had a Renly and a Randall and loads of Stand in my hand. Jesus. Um, and, yeah, I tried to convince Auntie not to do challenges against me. He decided to do all his challenges against me, which I defended with all of my stand uh, was able to get to 12 maybe 11 power and then i chose the hand of the king title so it could do two power uh, challenges against two other people and win the game hey. Hey. well done bambi congratulations our european melee champ well done for being european melee champ yeah that's uh, top notch mate thanks top. guys you can go now that's why that's the only reason we've got you on right fuck off okay bye <laughs> no, no, tremendous. Fucking, that's a long day of playing cards. Yeah, it truly is. We uh, had some discussion afterwards that maybe for the uh, years to come for the Starlick Melee, the people who make the final table should be granted a first round buy of the Joust just because you're playing Melee until God midnight and it's a very tiring experience. So. Mm. Yeah, I'm not opposed to that. Mm. Yeah, it's not a bad call. As, as you know, you just like cross format buys and stuff, but yeah, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it was uh, it was a fantastic day. Uh, all of the tables are fun, and like Tony said earlier, you know, when you play joust, you have those people looking frustrated and angry, but when everyone's playing melee, 
most people are having an absolute blast just because it's so much fun to play. And it really feels like you're playing Game of Thrones when you play in melee because you truly appreciate kind of the intrigue element of the whole thing, like, you know, convincing others to do stuff. You've still got your military challenges and you're grasping for power, but it really feels like the true embodiment of what it is to play Game of Thrones. So. There's there's nothing like a game of melee with melee decks and people that want to play melee. Mm. Yes. Because mm. it's, yeah, especially at Starlock, I think. Mm. people Most people really get it there. And even if that's the only time you play melee each year, it's just... And that's it. I mean, I was, that's what I was saying about uh, convincing people who come to Starlock for the first time. Uh, as I did last year with Tavern, like this year with, with, with Liam, like myself and Costas and Evan and all that, we always kind of say uh, you should definitely play melee in the front, whether you're, you know, think you're good at melee or you don't like melee, whatever, you should definitely just come and enjoy the melee on the Friday anyway, because it's, it's, it's an incredibly fun day of playing cards. And I think, uh, as I said, like, like Liam was totally not up for playing uh, melee at all. He had plans for the day. You know, other, I think he had other plans for the day, but then kind of at the last minute changed his mind. And regardless of kind of how well he did, uh, he had a cracking day because you know why wouldn't you? you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's fucking great fun. I, I had, a, had a great time. While Bambi was uh, ascending to the top tables upstairs, we were downstairs playing what is quickly becoming the greatest event in Thrones, which is the rental car 1.0 yeah we were playing this downstairs in the cafeteria now um i think we probably explained last year what this was but uh, but last year was perhaps the first time that they'd run it he might have run it the year before but no, uh, i think last year was last year so last year because it was the first time that they've had run it uh we there was only maybe what 15 16 people involved maybe not even that that much uh last year this year there were over 30 people up for it um which which was great because you know there were there's about i think he i think he's got 36 decks i think he built six decks per house so i think around once everyone had taken their deck kind of going up and looking at the tape looking at the box and there only ever been a couple left each round um so rent at 1.0 is basically a lovely uh a lovely gentleman has basically curated and built a collection of the the best and most interesting decks from first edition thrones and essentially runs a swiss tournament where everyone picks a random number out of this year a teacup picks a random deck and uh plays against someone else who has pulled a number out of a teacup and has played with a random deck each of these decks has accompanying documentation to go with it which is the greatest thing about it the documentation has a full deck list and it has a kind of information about how the deck was put together and how best to play it and it's also it's quite nicely subjective as well because it also has what dave thinks of the deck so in some cases it's kind of like there there's there's a paragraph and there'll be a paragraph when you're reading about how to play the deck that says yeah the deck's fine i don't think it's great but you know you'll have fun with this but you'll have fun with that but <laughs> i picked i picked the wrong one you know looking at um so I had a great fun of that. We packed out the back of the cafeteria with like 30 people playing uh, rental. We had four rounds of Swiss. I think the way he did it was just basically after four rounds of Swiss, whoever's top 
through strength of schedule wins. It wasn't that serious, you know. There wasn't there, there wasn't time to like make it have a cut or anything like that with it. It was it's relatively casual, but it's more kind of about it's more about playing the decks really. And uh, it was good to see people that had never played first edition kind of throwing themselves in uh, to play rental car as well. That was uh, that that was a good. Luck. I know Liam and Tav kind of uh, played a cu- at least a couple of rounds of that and were kind of uh, both delighted, scared, uh, afraid, and uh, you know being very very amused by uh, uh, first edition cards that they've never seen before. My first round was uh, particularly funny because of my first number uh, I picked out that um, was um, a Baromaster's deck. Yay! <laughs> Mine specifically, of course. Your specific Barad TMP. Yeah, I had to sit down and kind of uh, read the fluff that came with that to remind myself how to play it. <laughs> I played against uh, Ian Pollard, who was playing Martel AAA, which was kind of quite funny, uh, because I think I'd played that deck last year, or tried to play that deck last year, and that deck just gets big boys down and uh, and goes crazy on Renown and entry challenges and you know, Vipers Bannerman is restricted and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I did win it, although I think I, I had to get to 17 power to win it, obviously, because... That's fine. Yeah, well, it was a pain in the arse because... And this fucking card did my nut for nearly every single game of first edition that we played. Uh, and I played eight games of first edition that weekend, and I was continually reminded how this card kind of fucked up first ed for me and that was neutral Hall. oh yeah yeah because neutral Hall cancels you getting your fucking chains off your agenda no it doesn't doesn't it agendas that cannot be cancelled oh okay well it did for me it, well that's <laughs> well that's how we played it anyway um so it yeah, took, they can <laughs> be prevented by brienne but they cannot be cancelled oh okay oh Fair enough. Well, he yeah, he kept. Sorry, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't matter. I won the game anyway, but I just had to get 17 bar to do it because I had to get all eight chains off the agenda. So that that was fun. Very silly, but a lot of fun. Uh, then oh god, I fucking yeah. This is where Bambi. This is where I get kind of hazy because it was the evening and uh, two of the games I can't remember. Oh, that's not true. I played against John Barber from South California. From lovely guy, lovely man. Yeah, that's the first time I've met him. He recognised my voice, which is, again, another really weird thing to sit down opposite a stranger and they kind of go, hang on, are you that guy? And you're like, fucking hell. Yeah, yeah, my guy. I'm so, famous. Yeah. So that was that was quite funny. He, But he'd drawn a Lanny Parbang the Throne deck, which was kind of, Ooh. in his words, his jam. So, <laughs> it wasn't the uh, Aloof and Apart version. No. Oh no, of course. No, Power Behind the Throne. No, it was Power Behind the Throne version. So he absolutely thumped me with that. But that's but I had drawn the one of the weirder cards in that pool of decks, which was the weird Lanny Brotherhood deck, which works off, you know, uh, crazy trait manipulation and plays Horner Dragons and oh, yeah. um it's very, very strange little, little deck that uh, unfortunately didn't have time to really figure out how to play it because Power Behind the Throne, Bosh Bosh Bosh, fifteen power, game over. So we had time to have a bit of a chat after that. It was good to see him. I played him again on the Sunday as well, but I played Stark Harren Hall and got beaten by Lanny, I think, again. Um, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. My Harren Hall didn't last. I, I don't think my Harren Hall lasted until uh, lasted very long because it got a city besieged off the table. Cause, good. Yeah, it was Lanny no agenda city plots, so um, we, we know how, how much. I, I played your deck. I played your Baron Maisel's deck, and then I played the deck that you hate as well so and then the last game of the day i played against remco i drew 
uh, Martin on no Agenda, Quentin, normal, gas and great bullshit. And he drew the Gates of Winterfell 59 character and uh, absolutely demolished him. Absolutely fucking demolished him. It's, it's tricky when uh, you get out five nobles on a power of blood turn uh, with <laughs> Gaston Grey and Lost Oasis and all that stuff. And he's got a board of like 10 armies. And yeah, the Viper doesn't deal. Viper was a good card, it seems. He he was a good card. He was a very good card. That kind of made up for it. Because <laughs> I got to demolish one goal. So yeah, it went 2 2 and all that. But but that's a, such a fucking laugh, that tournament. Because everyone's just delighted when they get their decks. Everyone has a little bit of pre kind of reading of their, you know, of their fluff before they before they go, whether they had played the deck before or not. And uh yeah, it's 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 it's, it's probably kind of curating the history of first edition kind of in the cafeteria and stuff like it's quite fun. Uh so yeah, that was good fun. Um I can't remember who won. I do know Josh went four and oh that day. But didn't win the tournament because of the strength of schedule. I think he came uh, second. Yeah, yeah. but he but he did want to win all four of his games because uh, he's quite good at cards. So you know, true. Yeah. So yeah, while 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 uh, Bambi was upstairs winning melee, we were downstairs kind of uh, getting drunk playing first edition because you know it's what it's what we've always done. <laughs> it's, it's indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think I mentioned it last year, but yeah, um, finding out that two of my decks were in. In those 36 decks, I was just like, ah. What was the other one? It's uh, my um, Doran Solar deck. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah of course. Uh, which, obviously, regular listeners will know I go on about all the fucking times. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Barrowmasters is the deck that won me UK Nationals and allowed me to play Doran Solar uh, at Worlds. <laughs> the, the competitively hollow deck. Yeah, the Barrowmasters deck is the one that was criticised for being competitively hollow. <laughs> That's... The the, uh, the Doran Solar deck was the one that ran an out of house Lannister Dragonbone Dagger. The commentators didn't know what half my cards did, did, and then I got knocked out in the top eight to the guy who criticised my previous deck for being competitively hollow. <laughs> it's a good year. <laughs> At the same time, it's it's weird. It's like yeah, you do rant on about that shit all the time, right? And fair enough, just you know, justifiably. But it was funny to basically go to. The only place in the world, you know, 20 meter square fucking cafeteria in the middle of fucking Germany, where that is a that that deck is a legitimately as a legitimate thing with a history to it that you can pick out of a deck, pick out of a fucking cup and kind of go, oh, my God, I've got this to play. You know, it's actually <laughs> it's the only place where it's kind of um, it gets the respect it deserves, I guess you could argue. <laughs> I think a lot of the stuff he pieced together from it got cards. Uh, from deck lists that champs had kind of posted up there. And there's a flexible approach to the restricted list as well, because, of course, some of those decks just wouldn't work with the uh, um, modern restricted list. But, yeah, great fun. Absolutely great fun. And, uh, I mean, there were more people playing that than ended up playing the actual first edition tournament on the Sunday. Yep. So, uh, you know, it may well, may well be that it's, that's, it's kind of going that way. But, you know, I'm fine with that. God, you know, still get to play a bunch of first edition. So it's good to, good to teach kids a history. Mm, absolutely mm. i say as i'm currently making draft starters for my highlander pool oh, no. like, as we speak because <laughs> we've got one on monday at the cross keys oh, uh, awesome be exciting yeah. that's what i'm doing at the moment i just sorted out my second edition collection that i came back from Starlight because i don't think it's been properly sorted since i bought the game and then when <laughs> reese moved to romania he gave me his entire collection and all of my cards were just in boxes not sorted in the house or anything so i just sorted everything with the side intention that now I have all these extra cards and all of that, I would make a 
Highlander Cube Four Second Edition. So yeah. Yeah. And you can pick up some nice, interesting cards with the intro decks as well if you need to. Yes, very yeah, true. Like, oh, just pick them up. Here's a couple of extra cards for that. Here's a couple of spare other cards. Mm. It's good. Mm. Yeah. If you go into an intro deck anyway, intro event anyway, then uh, jump in. Go on then, guys. The main, well, the second main event, I guess, this year. How was the joust? Yeah, I I never really enjoy the joust that much. I didn't really pay much attention to what deck I wanted to take, ended up taking what originally was a Greyjoy fealty list, but through the probably five to ten games worth of testing that I did, decided relatively last minute to change it to a Wars to Come list, primarily so that upon advice from the Dutch meta, uh, I could play two copies of Force March. My original planning was that I wanted to play one Force March and one Filthy Accusations, primarily so I could stop eye shenanigans from Stark to cancel all my saves. But they rightly explained that if you're ever in a situation where you need to kneel eye, a fourth march effectively does the same thing for you <laughs> and has a lot more value against other decks. Um, so, yeah, played it's that. very, very high cap, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, got lucky, shall we say, in that I think of my first... Six games, I played four Greyjoys, which Double Force March is very good against when they're not expecting it, because <laughs> I just locked them out of so many games. So many of them I would have lost without it, because they had, a lot of the times, big dudes ahead of me, and I didn't have enough big dudes. But yeah, Double Force March did work. I guess I'll expand on two games of notes. So going into round seven... Did we play... How many rounds did we play, Tony? We played eight. Eight. We were there till fucking ten o'clock at night. Yep, and there was no chili for lunch. Yeah, two breaks and fucking ten o'clock at night. It was ridiculous this year. That's insane. We did eight, eight. We've done eight in previous years. Yeah, well, we kind of we, we all got there, you know, half past eight as we're told to kind of get there for half eight, and they had all they had they had technical issues and shit, and so I don't think we kicked off the first game till about ten. Oh. So you're talking eight rounds, and then faffing about in between rounds and then two separate hours for like lunch and dinner so and i think that's the biggest issue and if any of the star lake organization committee is listening we do not need two hour long lunch breaks like give people half an hour or something for a lunch break it's more than sufficient but there was so much dead time where people just wanted to start playing and could have 10 o'clock at night was fucking ridiculous it was yeah you you know my policy on lunch breaks i totally agree (laughs) yes none yeah, uh, going into round seven, I was paired against Rowan, who hey. <laughs> I always love to play against. And we sat in quite possibly the dingiest, darkest corner of Starlake that I think existed, like tucked away behind curtains, like some kind of things they were trying to conceal from the world. <laughs> and Rowan was playing a Stark Kraken list, which he'd told me earlier in the day was entitled... Something along the lines of hate, which yeah. was, uh, I forget what else it was called, but some brutal deck list. And the game was awful. I don't think, I, I think it's the first Game of Thrones I've ever played where I was sweating um, <laughs> because I just didn't know what was coming my way next. I, I should point out at this point, I was five and one maybe Mm. something that meant i was still very much alive to make the cut so i needed to win um and it was my first game of the day that went to time if it hadn't gone to time i would have lost miserably but as time was called i think i had 
13 power to his three so mm. there was no way he could get back into the game so yeah one on time on that one and in the last round I played against Matt Herdman who I'll be very honest in saying did not leave a ever so positive impression with me from last year's melee final because <laughs> he was he was loud and I was not in the mood but we had a very very good game of, of thrones he was also playing a Greyjoy Wars list so I think it was my sixth Greyjoy opponent of the day. I didn't play any Stark other than Rowan, who wasn't really playing Stark. And yeah, I got ahead very early in the game. He had a lot more saves, but I had all of my big dudes. Got to a point where I was so far ahead that he was forced to Valor because I had no visible saves on the board. Um, he'd taken a Risen from my hand the previous turn on entry claim, and we do not sowed my Iron Mines. Um, but at that point I still had two Risens in my hand and a Victarian with three power on him and I made the biggest fuck up of my one of the biggest fuck ups of my Thrones jousting career <laughs> it's not the biggest but one of the biggest where um, so I saved Euron um, with a Risen and at that point I didn't have any really pivotal characters but I had the reader left on the board and my Victarian with three power so I was a fool and chose to save my reader with the second Risen in my hand, then went to save my Victorian with three power, and he got vinced. Oh! And uh, so I lost three power, lost my most impactful character on the game, because I could have knelt out his board that turn, and then, then ended up losing and not making the cut, too. That's grim, man. Mm. But, you know, he played it perfectly. Like, everything he needed to do, even though he was behind, he did very, very well, and he went on really far right i think he made like top four or something it so top eight yeah okay he's yeah he's a really good player is matt i would have invited him on but no <laughs> in fairness he's probably got, he's got better things to do he's at darksphere well he's not darksphere anymore he would have been at darksphere now he'll be in the pub so so that was my just <laughs> nice you i think you were yeah i'm i'm gonna be a gonna be a dick and say i think you were four two at the point you played rowan that sounds more accurate yeah and then, yeah, then went 5-2 and then went 5-3 by the look of it. But, yeah, you just seem to play Greyjoy all fucking day. That's ridiculous. Yeah, um, I mean, it was good for my deck. And aside from the last one, which I fucked up because I'm an idiot, I won all the other Greyjoy matches and mm. basically lost to everything that wasn't some form of Greyjoy. So. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. Oh, sorry, I forgot to mention the best game of the day. So, game, I believe it was four because I went... 3-0 and and then started losing mm. um, so game 4 I was paired against Tassos who had King the Swiss in the melee day before and then was crushing face in joust as well but he was playing a very old school Targ burn deck <laughs> I say old school because he was playing things like Miri Mazda and things that people don't really play nowadays but turn 1 challenges he played plot phase he played trading and I played uh, Noble Claws, I think, so I had a reasonable amount of gold. But he had significantly more because he'd set up, like, uh, Miranis Markets and various other things. I, I was going first. I marshaled crap loads of things. I think I had an Asher, a Victarian, a Euron, or another one, Balon. So three of my massive dudes and something else, uh, maybe a Reducer and some other small things. And so he collected his gold, which I think was 13 or 14, and said, pass. And I was like, well, fuck, I'm going to die. <laughs> um, 
so we went into challenges, at which point all he had on the board was, I think, a Jorah Mormont and a Daenerys and 13 gold. Psyching <laughs> um, so, you I love Tassos. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I was like, I can tell this is going to end really badly for me, but I can't just sit here and say no challenges. So I feel that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just went, well, fuck it, let's throw caution to the wind. It can't be that bad, right? And then at the end of the challenges phase, I had no characters on the board, so. <laughs> I got Drogon consuming flames, Dracarys, as it was brutal. Um, and it just made me happy. I was like, that's one of the most fantastic things I think I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, obviously that's terrible, but also yes, nice. Oh, it was it was amazing <laughs> to behold. Thirteen fucking gold. Yeah, that just sights you out, though, doesn't it? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I had quite an amusing Saturday. I put Baratheon for a start, which is kind of half the reason it was amusing, because I think uh, I think the statistics say there was what thirteen, maybe fourteen Baradex there that day yep. out of three hundred and ten. So uh, underrepresented was Barra, but that's because it's not very good at the moment. But I played. Um, I played Battle Rose Cohort, which uh, a couple of people were playing. I know, so I know uh, there was another maybe three or four uh, Rose Cohort decks there this year. Standard kind of Tyrell Knights and uh, Jousting Pavilions and uh, all the Cohort bullshit that uh, we know and love. So yeah, I took that and lost my first game, which um, while that doesn't sound like an outrageous thing, I've never lost my first game at Stalic even though I've never come out of a Stalic Joust Day with a winning record, I've never lost my first game. And so that immediately just was like, fuck this. The day's starting absolutely terribly. Um, I played against a guy playing Lanny Dragon. It was relatively kind of an uneventful game, apart from the fact that he thought he'd won when he won a a challenge, a load of guys, sprinkled all the power on his uh, characters and then kind of put his hand over to shake mine as we were approaching time and I kind of looked at the I looked at the table and kind of counted all his power and there was only 14 power there and he'd lost the power <laughs> it's one of those kind of you know guy sits with his loads of power sits with his pile of power and thinks he's won when he's got rid of his pile of power rather than actually counting out 15 power so he kind of went sprinkle 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 I've won and I kind of went no you haven't and he went yes I have one two three blah, blah. Oh shit, immediately looking on the floor for his power and couldn't find his power. I said, mate, you can have one of mine. I'm not using them. <laughs> um, so uh, I tried to come back. Because, so I lost my first game and I was a bit kind of stressed about that. All the chat outside, and uh, again, for folk that have never been to Stalex, so much of the Joust Day is talking shit outside and telling war stories. Regardless of kind of how you know, some people, you have sometimes over the space of eight rounds, you have long, day, you have long games, some you have short games, but you have a lot of time to tell people about what a good or bad game you have just had and all the war stories that you have just had. And so there was a lot of chat outside about the fact that there was a lot of Targ and there was a lot of Stark and that everyone was hitting Targ and Stark and those people that weren't playing Targ and Stark were kind of getting beaten by Targ and Stark. When I look back at my record for the day, I played three Targ and two Stark and I beat all but one of them. Which is kind of crazy to look back on it. I got and and much like yourself, I, mean, I got beaten by everything else. But I, <laughs> but Tark and Stark, not fucking just because I don't know. Maybe I, I think I might have been a bit lucky, but also those games, I think I rushed a bit hard, a bit harder than they expected, 
and by the time they could try to do something about it, they couldn't get rid of the power I had or whatever. I mean, standard kind of Knights Rushy kind of um, core stuff, but uh, when you play against the Tar Crossing deck and manage to get all three of your poppies out uh, by the end of turn one, and you've got Danny poppied, you've got his Dar poppied, and then for a laugh, because you're playing Kohar, you've got Viserys poppied as well. <laughs> right? You're sorted. <laughs> So I think I think it was my round, maybe round round five when I played against a Targ um, Hod Marine deck. I'm like I'm going to get beaten here. I just got all my poppies out and hammered his board with poppies. And uh, at the end of the game, he just went, "Yeah, you just yeah, I can do anything about it. I can fucking get rid of them." So um, so yeah, that helped. Um, games of note over the space of the day were beat a Targ Rossing deck round two, beat a Stark Fealty deck. So I was like two one up. I put against. Uh, I sat down across a man I'd never met before who introduced himself as uh, Gabriel Ranner, Austrian guy, who, when he saw that I was playing Battle Alliance, was kind of like, oh, excellent. Yeah, I took Battle Alliance to Worlds Life. And I suddenly got a little bit kind of starstruck, like celebrity starstruck, because I'm like, oh, you're that guy. You're the <laughs> guy who played Battle Alliance at Worlds in 2017. And I wanted your deck list for weeks afterwards because I wanted to know what it was, how you've done so well at it. He wasn't playing Battle Alliance this year. He was playing Night's Watch Reigns. He was playing a Rat Cook deck. <laughs> which was was funny as hell, but it destroyed me. I played Night's Watch Reigns last year in the Joust, and Jon Snow, standing stuff, blah, blah, Reigns, all that good stuff, so I know how it works. But by his end of the turn one marshalling, he had six stewards on the board. He had oh, wow. he had his chuds, he had Saturn, he had what's his chops, uh, uh, Sam Tarley and Three Finger Hob, I think he's a steward as well. But he had six stewards out. Um and I'm gearing up with all my knights and getting some, you know, saucy attachments on them and stuff. And he fucking rat cooks them every time. <laughs> Just steals them for the round, blanks them, and then I get them back at the end of the round. Not the end of the phase, the end of the round. And of course, because he's playing Reigns, at one point he nicked my uh, he nicked my Battle of the Night song, which was duped and had a couple of attacks on it. Nicked it, went into Reigns and wildfired and killed him. I was sitting there kind of going, why didn't I flip into fucking Tourney for the King earlier to be all my knights immune to this bullshit? <laughs> but <laughs> couldn't. But um, he was also very, as he said himself, uh, the deck is very slow when it comes to power grab. And he himself not to shit on him too hard, is a relatively deliberate player. So yeah. it was approaching time. He was, what, 7-5 up? And I, I I had nothing. My board was gone. You know, I had like a fucking Vanguard Lancer on the table. Everything else was dead. And I conceded to him. Uh, and he was kind of he kind of apologised and was like, I'm sorry, the deck doesn't move faster. And I'm like, yeah, you know, you don't move fast. The deck doesn't move fast. You haven't got any fucking power icons. You know, you won by two power and I had to concede. It was fucking ridiculous. But thoroughly entertaining to watch, you know, proper bit of jank. Beat Tarkod, uh, my proper demolishing of the day, which is kind of hubris, I guess, was against the Tarfield deck. And it was against Lowry, who had played the Free Folk um, deck at the melee table the day before. And he properly targed my board. Properly, properly <laughs> targeted my board. Even though first round, not entirely, not quite as dramatic as, you, as, as yourself, Bambi, but on my first round, uh, I only drew into like big, at least five cost guys. So could only get, I think, two five, two five cost guys out. One of them was 
thingy Randall Tarley, okay, six cost guy and like a five cost um, guy as well. And he had very little on his side, but I had the honey wine out. So I managed to get kind of three challenges with renown and stuff, kind of some standing and honey wine to the point that at the end of the first round, I think I was on eight power and he had very little. And by the end of the next challenges phase, my border was gone because tart bullshit. It was just, yeah, he just got everything he needed and absolutely destroyed it. And I conceded at the beginning of round three, I think. So I felt, yeah, okay, okay. So I've beaten some Targ and now I've been demolished by Targ. That's how it's, that's how it goes. Beat Starfieldy again. Wasn't seeing a problem with, against Starfieldy. Whenever they found their wards, I happened to find my Crescent, which was always funny when they invest, when they go first, invest four in ward, and then you've got a Crescent in hand. And uh, oh, it's lovely seeing the look on a star player's face when they've just warded like your Courtney Penrose or something, and you go, yeah. and, for, and they're worried that you don't look too disappointed at it. So uh, yeah, got, got rid of them. <laughs> so weirdly, at the end of game seven, I was four three, and at which point I was probably a tiny little bit drunk, but I was also delighted because it meant that I was going away with the very very least four four, which I've never really done over eight rounds of Starlight before. Um, and at that point as well, being 4-3 up, I checked the standings and I was like the second best batter player that day, <laughs> which isn't saying much. I, I, I appreciate it. The best batter player was at like, at that point was like a number 32. The second batter player, which was me, was at 105. <laughs> so it was, yeah, um, the batters weren't doing that well. So I went into, I went into my last game, 4-3, kind of at that point, kind of couldn't really give a shit. But you also kind of go, yeah, but nice to go 5-3, though. And then as Evan had said to me before going into into that, he was like, don't set the bar too high for next year, mate. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, you're right. I don't want to try and try and beat 5 for next year. I'll be ha- quite happy with 4-4. Four, four. Um, so I then sat down against my only game against Greyjoy all day. And so I'd avoided all the Greyjoy because I guess the Greyjoy was at the kind of higher tables or whatever. They were playing against Bambi, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're lining up to play against you, mate. But I hadn't played against any, so played against uh, Greyjoy Fealty Deck. And uh, I have to do, I believe what they used to call on radio, a shout out to uh, the guy I was playing, who was a Spanish guy called uh, Juan uh, Fernandez, who was, who <laughs> I took a banter playmat with me, put it out, and he kind of, uh, he looked at the playmat and was like, Oh, do you listen to the podcast as well? <laughs> At which point you don't really know what to say, because if I'm being honest, I would say no. <laughs> I don't listen, I just live it. Yeah. He's just like, I used to listen to it. <laughs> then I just turned into an editor, really. And you know, and the more I the, the more I was talking to him because at the beginning of the game, the more he kind of you know, I'd said I don't I, I kind of laughed and said, oh, I don't listen to it, but uh, but and he kind of went I recognise your voice now, and he did a little bit of, oh, me and all my friends listen to the podcast, it'd be really good if you could say hello and stuff, so I'm saying hello to Juan Fernandez, who I had a really, really good game with, it was really, really close, got to the end of the round, got to the end of the game, I had, I had, uh, he got out a Raider from Pike at, some, at one point, at which point I shat myself because I thought he was going to be, you know, pinch of powdering things all over the place, so I milked it which was uh, a little bit overdramatic, but you never saw another one, and I didn't see a pinch of powder all game, so <laughs> it was the right thing to do. Um, I got all my big guys out, and crucially against Greyjoy, I got them all duped. So, I, yeah, I was doing I was doing really fucking well. 
and just kept doing crazy massive power challenges with Bob and stuff and intimidating his big guys on the other side, getting a load of power, he'd take a chunk of it back. We, um, I was looking at the clock and it was just about to hit time. Did all my power, did all my challenge, got lots of power, he got lots of power back. I looked at our, we were we were kind of drawing on power. He had no characters standing on his side of the board. I still had a Courtney Penrose standing. And I kind of looked at it and went, I fucking got this on dominance. Amazing. I looked over at his at his uh, plot card and it had like 12 gold on it. <laughs> because he played trade routes and had anything to spend it on. So he won it on dominance. Oh. Which, but again, I was like, that was a great game. Really good last game of the day. Could have won it. Didn't. Still went away 4-4. You know, quite content with that. And then next year you can go 5-3 in the only next way year, Exactly. Next year, yeah. I can attempt five three, and at least maybe depending on how much bad it'll be next year. I have a feeling they'll be a bit more bad next year. But, Let's you know, hope so. Yeah. Of note, one of the things I wanted to mention about things that I'd seen during the Swiss that day was, um, and Liam got to play him as well. A lot of, lot of chat about Liam in this episode. Um, we need to edit all that. Out. He was definitely my find of Stalic, like hands yeah, down, it's, it's, the the best new person I've met there. Yeah, Liam's a top lad. He speaks highly of you as well. I was noticing there was um. Did you notice the? Well, you you must have done the really really young kid. Yes. At this point, who was you'd be lucky if he was ten. You know, maybe ten. I, I'm going to say roughly about ten. He was a little Czech kid. Guess what he was playing, Dave? Martel Wolf. Nope. Nope. Think 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 more kind of obvious. Stark Fealty. Nope. He was playing Free Folk. <laughs> Of course. Of course. Because brown cards are for children now. Not just for beginners, <laughs> they're for children. <laughs> but uh, Liam got drawn against him and he fucking destroyed him, apparently. <laughs> it's the only reason, because I had to look up his, I had to look up to see if I could find out his name. And, and so I thought, well, look at Liam's kind of record and we'll find out who he lost to for free fold during the day. Oh, there he is there. <laughs> well done, young man. Yeah. But as we said. Crack on. As we said, that it was a fucking long day. Um, yep. You know, leaving at like ten o'clock to to then go up and like play a couple of rounds of the cut as well. I know traditionally Stalag goes on, you know, Stalag Joust can go until two, three in the morning and stuff like that. But it felt weird, you know, not making the cut and then still playing until fucking ten o'clock at night was uh, pretty insane. And then we drank a lot until about six in the morning. <laughs> well, that's good. Mm. Well, I do have one spicy anecdote before I forget. Oh, please do. Please do. So the Saturday morning, we were all sat down having breakfast. And as per usual, I always drive from the castle down to the joust or melee or whatever, because uh, it's easier and I'm lazy. And as we were getting up to go, there wasn't that many people there because we left very late. I asked if anyone wanted a lift and Luis and Wedge were near us and they both were like, yeah, so I would love to have a lift so I don't have to walk down. We go to get up. Luis drops his bag, and you oh, hear this, this one. This is great. Sorry. Crack. And we were like, uh, "What was that?" And he's like, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" And he starts running around panicking because in his bag was a full bottle of some special edition of uh, Captain Morgan's rum, and it it had smashed inside his bag. So Luis, being Luis wasn't really doing anything just laughing and joking his deck was in there his play match soaked in rum he didn't really wasn't doing anything so someone else ran to go and get some napkins to clean up came back and they brought like five napkins we're like yeah we're gonna need more it's an entire bottle of rum 
while we're all running around trying to do this, taking Luisa's deck out of his bag, his plane out, trying to save them, Luis just runs off somewhere. And we're like, where's he going? No one really knew. A few seconds later, he comes back holding a bottle of water. And we're like, what's this guy doing? Like, he needs some, like, a beverage or something to, like, help him through this. He then opens it up, necks this entire bottle of water, and we're like, wow, that guy just must be really dehydrated or something. No, he has a master plan. He gets the empty bottle of water, dunks it in the bag, and starts siphoning out as much of the rum as he can save from the bottom of his bag. That was my Starlink highlight. Bag-filtered rum. He's a wise man. He is a very wise man. Bottles of rum don't have uh, don't have a lot of staying power at Starlight. Not just because they get drunk and they get drunk by uh, everyone involved, but uh, the first year I went to Starlight, I smashed an entire bottle of rum in my bag and had to put the whole bag and the rum in the bin. Um, oh, yeah! Uh, it literally, it fell maybe two feet off a chair. Yep. And that just demolished my uh, my bag. I remember thinking, oh, that was my booze for the weekend because it was like the Friday morning at, at, at Melly. But that is the way to deal with it. <laughs> you can't get into a fucking empty bottle of water. Amazing. It blew my mind. It wouldn't have even crossed my any path of that was one of the things I would do in any alternate reality. Yeah. Luis, in seconds, he was like, guys, I know what I need to do here. I need to save this, like, you know, sandy, kind of dusty, like, pocket lint-infused rum so I can drink it later. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah, all the with all the accompanying shit that would have been exactly. In the, bag. the bag was hanging up, if I remember right, down at the town hall on yep. the handle of the door to the you know that leads out into the kind of little patio area. It's like <laughs> just a bag. There's always something slightly strange at Starlight, isn't there? Yes. He's <laughs> like, what is that this bag? Bag stinking of rum that had like a it had like a note on it or something as well that said you know. Um, don't touch uh, don't touch this is being left to dry or something at which point I put two two together because you'd already told me that story and was like this must be the bag (laughs) I think I drank rum till about six o'clock in the morning uh, in the cafeteria with Wedge and with Costas and with Liam and um, Isman kept kind of bouncing into the cafe here and there uh, in between the games, in between the kind of like top 32 games that he'd been playing, because of course uh, he ended up making, well, he made the final. Um, yep. he would, but he was still fucking awake and absolutely off his tits at like six in the morning. <laughs> that man is immune to events, he really is. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was delightfully fucked and yet still managing to, uh, still managing to fucking make the final after God knows how many, how many days, how many hours of kind of playing. The games were streamed from Starlight for the first time this year as well and commentary and all that and uh, and which was good so I didn't I didn't go into the actual Rittersal at all this year because any of the games I was watching I just sat and watched on the fucking you know on the TV downstairs even though it was actually just happening you know about 10 feet away oh it's really cool that they actually streamed it there yeah it was like a cinema screen you had so many people sat around watching just drinking yeah. chatting and yeah, it was really nice yeah, it meant, it meant you couldn't, you know, you, you weren't interrupting the actual game as well. You know, you could chat away about what, what was happening, but you weren't kind of getting in the way. It was delightful. And then on Sunday, oh, fucking hell, traditionally the first edition tournament, which is on the Sunday, which for the last two or three years has always been down at the town hall. And I was staying in a flat down at the town hall. Always a 
breeze to kind of like get up at whatever B&B staying at the town hall or whatever flat you're staying in and wander along to the town hall for about half past nine, ten o'clock. No, this year, um, they didn't have the town hall at all for Sunday. There was nothing taking place at the town hall, so everything else took place at the castle, which meant at six, quarter past six in the morning, I had to come down the hill, go to bed, sleep for about an hour and a half, then get up and climb the fucking stairs to the castle for a nine o'clock start for a first edition jazz tournament, which only had like 20 people in it. I'm not sure this will make this better or worse for you, Tony, but it did cross my mind momentarily that I should drive down to pick you up and bring you up. But then I decided I'd rather stay in bed. So, <sighs> Just give me a moment. Yeah, we're OK. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You know that look on my face that you were talking about earlier on? Yeah. The, the kind of leathery, horrible, kind of exhausted, tired face. Uh, that was your fault. I, I knew you were going to say that. I knew exactly <laughs> that's what you were going to say. Fucking <laughs> your fault, mate. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but, yeah, got back up the castle, played first edition, which was fine. Played start, dark wings, dark words for four rounds, which was a fucking good laugh because it's just another 75 card deck. And I mean, you got probably lots of first edition events that I hadn't seen in a long time. The highlight of which was, I didn't do very well. I beat Remco again, which, you know, it's always good to beat Remco again. Uh, then <laughs> played against John Barber and got beaten by him again, who was playing the the old kind of oh yeah uh, or state land deck. Uh, I thought he might be. <laughs> I played against John Wright in the uh, first state last year and got beaten by that as well. So that's two years running I played against that. Uh, I can't remember what the third game was. Yeah, probably possibly. Oh, I got tar- I got burned to fuck. That's right. Uh, and then the fourth game of the day, I played against Wedge, who I had been given a bye. Had then lost two games, um, so he hadn't won a game all day. But he, <laughs> me and Wedge were playing. He was playing key fours for most of that fucking weekend anyway. Um, so I had, yeah, had a game against Wedge, which was kind of horrible because I made it winter and he couldn't find any economy and he was getting real frustrated that he couldn't do anything. But at the same time, I was getting knelt out because I was playing against Lanny. And it got really, really close, got really, really close. And uh, he'd Valored, we'd killed a lot of things. And I found my copy of Heads on Pikes. <laughs> the old uh, the old first ed heads on pikes uh, an event which says it's prize one for a start but it says choose an opponent for every card they have in their dead pile discard two cards off the top of their deck so I milled 16 cards off the top of his deck <laughs> as we got to the end of the game and it was funny watching all of his economy go into his discard pile in the one shot you just can. You can have went sixteen cards. Is that okay? Economy, economy, reducer, reducer, economy, economy, economy. He ended up with like four cards left in his deck. But the most amusing thing was that the they called time, and it was a draw. We had that last year, didn't we, Bambi? Yep. Yeah, and it was sad. Yeah, well, well, we because we kept thinking, well, there's a tie break, right? And we're like, no, it's first ed. You can have draws in first ed, but uh. Helmet and Dave that were doing the kind of TOing for the first ed, they were recording all of the results on Jousting Pavilion, which of course has no facility to put in a draw. Well, as far as we knew, he was saying there was no facility to put in a draw. It, there isn't, no. Um, so we, we'd already cleared up. We already, we'd already kind of gone, ah, ah, you know, it was a draw. Um, so they were kind of confused as to how to put us into the results. And we said, well, look, we're one and two, right? <laughs> we're not going to be, it's not going to matter. Um, we just had to drop. So we dropped. 
And, uh, <laughs> yeah, and that was the kind of inauspicious kind of end to uh, playing Thrones that Sunday. But um, good laugh it was. I was going to say last year we I had to judge on that because there was a draw, and I just said, well, I can't put it in as a draw. I'm not going to like give you double losses or flip a corner or anything. I'm just using the second edition tiebreaks. And in that instance, it, I think it ruled in your favour, didn't it, Bambi? Um, and I gave a loss to someone who was playing like a self-mill deck, which kind of serves them right. Oh yeah, Indeed. I would won. I would have won that one having just milled 16 cards off Wedge's deck. He had you know two cards left in his deck or whatever. It didn't. It really didn't matter. It was it was so inconsequential. But it kind of mattered. Felt like it mattered to Wedge. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but it didn't matter to either of us. And he went back to playing Kiki Forge, and I went yeah. back. To- Desperately to stay awake. So, but you did a little bit better than me, right? I did. Yeah, I played the same first edition deck that I played for like the last year and a half of the game. <laughs> Lannister, Dark Wings, Dark Words. I'm so excited for it. if and when that agenda comes to second edition. Me too. Such a good laugh. Through various means, I in most of my games I just saw my entire Neil package, so I could just keep my opponent's boards knelt. So I won. My first four games, King the Swiss went to the top four. In top four, played against Dave, who's the guy that made all the fantastic decks for the driver tournament. Um, and he was playing the old school Stark Gates of Winterfell deck. And for turn one, he had a duped Bastards Boys, duped Rob Stark, a duped Bran, and some other stuff. Uh, and I had nothing, but I had lots of Neil, so I just managed to keep his stuff knelt, uh, slowly whittled down his boards, enslaved a Bran and various other things, city plots the way his Gates of Winterfell and won the game. And for anyone who played first edition uh, will know, went to the final. I was playing Lannister. I think I had two characters that had three strengths or more and played a Targ burn deck and yeah. lost miserably. <laughs> We've seen that movie before. Yep. That guy was nice as well. That um, Jakob, I think his name. Yeah, was. he was lovely, lovely he guy. Like, and he knows his way around an old school Tark Hall the Hill deck because he demolished me. He was the one that demolished me as well. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, no. It was an interesting game because even though I was out of it basically from turn one, we went twelve plots I think because we <laughs> couldn't see a power icon. In there. <laughs> yep. Well, that was another day where basically you played a fuckload of cards all day, Ben. Yeah. I made a vow this year that I'd play less cards, and I did play less because, for example, I didn't play any of the drafts or any of the evening tournaments. But I think next year, if I go, Connie and I will just spend the Joust Saturday doing some sightseeing instead, just so we don't have to sit around for 12, 13 hours playing Joust and not enjoying it, especially. So. Mm, yeah, was that. You know, it's, well, it's one thing playing, saying you're playing less cards, but you made two finals. So <laughs> that's true. Seems a pretty good hit rate. Do we know who the overall champion is? Is it Matt Herdman? Probably. I don't know what... Did he make the top 16 in the melee? I think he did. I think he did make the top 16 in the melee, yeah. Does it? Where where did Whammer finish in Joust? Not as good as Matt by any means. No, Whammer was... It was outside outside the top 16, and anything outside top 16 is one per Yeah, okay. 27th he was in, uh, in, in Joust. I've seen someone mention it, so I'm going to assume it was Matt. Because it must have been in a British group chat. Which just goes to show that, well, Britain once again denied two card designs. 
That's three this year, guys. Oh, it's, bam, yeah. bam, it's worth mentioning. You should um, fucking big up your fucking meta mate for winning the joust, though. Yeah, Wilco did really well. He's a really yeah. good player. He won Dockside in May, and one of his meta mates was playing a version of that deck against me a few days before Starlick. Um, it wasn't really refined at the time, but it was a super cool concept. So, yeah, a lot of bouncing with Ramsey and Roos Bolting with Harren Hell and various other things. And, uh, yeah, he just took the the whole Joust tournament by storm. Every game I saw him playing, he was just destroying all of his opponents. It helps, like I said before, he's a really good player and he made a really good meta call to bring that deck yeah. Um, so yeah, very very deserving champion. And then on the uh, on the Sunday, because he was still playing through until Sunday, he got stupidly drunk, like way more so than anyone's ever seen him before. So it was uh, hilarious that Sunday night seeing him being that drunk. I don't know whether the metas evolved in other ways or whether the decks changed much, uh, but Northampton were playing around with a similar kind of deck to that six months ago or so. Yeah. Um, and in three games I played against it, it really, really shits itself against Lannister Greensight. <laughs> <laughs> really does. <laughs> so, yeah, that's your medical, Tony. You should have taken Greensight this weekend. <laughs> yeah, so that, that seems to be a pretty decent kind of all-round, uh, all-round Dutch performance for the weekend, right? Yeah, for sure. And loads of the other guys did really well. It was <laughs> one of the most hilarious guys, a guy called Sven Mutz, who for some reason was in Jousting Pavilion as Smuts, so Smuts, we had much yeah. fun calling him Smuts. Yeah, but uh, yeah. I told him on the Saturday that uh, I said it in good faith that you know, I don't mean any offence by this, but I genuinely thought you were one of the worst Thrones players in the country, and then he was one of the few that actually made the cut. So. <laughs> <laughs> and what did he say? Uh, he thought it was hilarious <laughs> good well, to think one of the top 16 is like well fuck you then yeah <laughs> that Sunday I mean we already talked a little bit about how fucking shattered I was kind of all the, the second half of Sunday after uh, four rounds of uh, first edition we intended to like spend the evening playing board games or certainly I intended to spend the evening yep. playing games until I essentially collapsed at a table and while my evening ended kind of went out with a kind of whimper rather than a bang certainly because I was so fucking shattered what I had forgotten about is that myself Connie and Josh and Evan played a game of Elder Sign after the joust picked the hardest great old one to beat and absolutely fucking wiped the floor with them oh baby yeah fucking absolutely destroyed Azathoth so while we were shattered and generally a bit useless you know saved the world then went a little bit insane admittedly but isn't Azathoth normally the easy one in these games? Because he's like the intro one, because he doesn't do anything. Maybe I'd like to think that... It... <laughs> Even if he is the one that's like tearing the universe apart from within. He's the one that basically, if he wakes up, you all lose regardless. Like There's nothing that you can do to, to fight against him. And he also requires 14 Elder Signs to close. That is a lot. Of which was quite tough, but yeah, fucking wait for them. Sorry, not to not to downplay your uh, achievement, Tony. I am proud of you. We were all quite me- we're quite messed up, and yet we still saved the world. After that, I was done for. I figured, you know, I'm not going to get any better than that, and it didn't. 
Yeah, I was very sad, and it's entirely your fault that my copy of Cerebrian is still in the wrapper. So. I got mine delivered like two days after I came back from Stalic, and uh, we're playing it this weekend. So, But I, yeah, I would have liked to have played it then. I would not have managed. Uh, no, you would not have managed. It would not have managed. It was bad enough watching uh, Evan destroy you all at Great Western Trail. Oh, he destroyed us. Kind of what he does. It's kind of his thing. So he was. So on the one hand, he was delighted to have new people to teach because you know he likes the game and likes teaching the game. But he was setting you all up for a fall. <laughs> 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 when I saw Liam the next day, uh, when we went to catch train back to the airport because I'd come back, he he crashed in at like one o'clock in the morning or whatever. And we got and went to the train. I said, "Oh, so did Evan win uh, Great Western Trail?" He went, "Win? He got a new personal best." <laughs> scored something stupid but um, yeah, he absolutely smashed us fantastic game though really enjoyed it well you have to laugh otherwise you'll cry that's true yeah sexy cows sexy 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 cows, cows. so sexy that was Stalic I guess oh there was well actually when I went back to stop myself from falling apart on the Sunday uh, after I decided that I couldn't watch you guys play cows anymore and I had to go to bed I went back down to the flat and I was heading to bed. But instead of going to bed, I wandered into the kind of main living room of like flat two of that kind of apartment complex. And there was at the table, Vince, Wama, Ian Pollard and Voiter were playing a game of melee with their joysticks. And instead of going to bed, instead of getting a good eight hours sleep before flying home on the Monday, I decided to have a couple of beers and watch those pricks play melee. <laughs> What a fucking waste of time that was. Jesus Christ. It was a terrible decision on my part, of which, of course, I blame them for. But Voita was playing the, the Star Dragon pirate Georgian Reed deck, and the rest of them were all playing their joysticks. So it was actually quite fun to watch Vince play his Lanny Faith Militant deck. Oh, God. It's great. But in a melee kind of... It's a joystick, but he was playing it in melee. Ian was playing Lanny Kraken Shadows, and of course, Wamo was playing Tyrell Shadows. And so it was all very, very silly. It was one of those games where everyone's kind of on 12 or 13 par. I went out for a cigarette, for a drink, had a good chat with someone, came back in, and nothing had happened. <laughs> and I was, ah, the true sign of a melee game. Yeah, but, and, but also that Sunday night where you're like standing about with the beer, kind of going, I don't really want, I don't really want to Stalic to finish. But I also don't want it to finish this way. But yeah. it's also being bed and that kind of oh god. All right, I'll watch them finish. Wham I won. I chastised them all for being terrible, terrible human beings and for keeping me awake for another two hours. And yeah, then went to bed. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Yeah, would have got more sleep if it wasn't for these pesky kids. I know it was fucking right. The the other thing I I have to mention about um, the weekend is. Sharing a flat with so many men, I guess, is, is is a thing when every single one of those men has the capability to snore like fucking crazy, right? <laughs> when you've got flat, our flat had, let me see, one, two, three, four, our flat had maybe eight or nine in it, and it was usually kind of somebody was always snoring somewhere. And I think this was on, a, this might have been on the Friday night where myself and Kev had to evacuate our flat to go into another one because the snoring was so loud. I won't name names. It doesn't really matter. We were all guilty of that at some point. But um, I had forgotten to buy earplugs 
absolutely kicked my arse the fact that I didn't get any earplugs. So I was lying there at like three o'clock in the morning with like the entire house snoring kind of around me like a fucking elephant. And I was lying there going, right, what have I got? What have I got? I can plug in my ears. Socks. I don't know. Fucking my fingers aren't going to work. That's a stupid move. I know what I've got. Noise cancelling headphones. Right. This this is the this is the best idea in the world. So get the noise cancelling headphones. Relatively well charged. Stick them on. Obviously, you have to lie kind of flat onto the pillow. You can't move left or right. But I'm kind of like put the noise cancelling headphones on. Turn them on. Most of the snoring noise goes away. I'm like, oh, this is great. This actually works. Ah, tremendous. I figure, right, okay, let's see if I can fall asleep. The problem with noise-cancelling headphones, certainly my noise-cancelling headphones, is after about eight or nine minutes, they turn themselves off. But they turn themselves off with a female voice going, power off! (laughs) (laughs) Which then wakes you the fuck up, after which you have to turn them on again and go through the whole fucking thing again. So you've got essentially eight minutes to get to sleep with your noise-cancelling headphones then wake you up. I'm trying to think, the only other thing I won't even... No, I can't even... can't be bothered going into us inventing vampire cannons on the Saturday night. It's a very long story. It's better told to drunk. I look forward to it.